I'm here today with Carrie Connolly. Carrie's a writer, certified life coach, creator of the no-nonsense blog, Jersey Girl Jesus, and host of the White on White podcast, which reimagines white identity apart from the dead end of pseudo-supremacy. Her latest book is Good White Racist, question mark, confronting your role in racial injustice. Carrie just completed her MDiv at Christian Theological Seminary in Indianapolis, but she lives in New Jersey, um, same state as I am at, uh, with her family. So Carrie, it's so wonderful to have you join us here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So Carrie and I have actually been together um, uh, at a Writing for Your Life conference. She's one of the alums from uh, one of our conferences. So appreciate that and have loved to see the progress that she's made as an author since that point in time. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) quite a bit, actually. So maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about your journey, you know, kind of what that's looked like as a writer for you. And um, then we'll talk about your book. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've always wanted to be a writer and I always kind of dreamed about um, writing the most delicious, you know, beach novel, right? I always (laughs) want, I wanted to write like that kind of like secret life of bees kind of uh, book, which I just think is just so beautiful. Um, And uh, I really suck at plot. (laughs) So I realized that it was just not in my um, in my, uh, my skill set to write a beautiful, delicious novel, maybe someday, maybe I'll, I'll be able to attend more writing conferences, Uh learn how to do that, right. Uh, how to do that well. But what I did discover in, in, uh, some nonfiction classes in my undergrad was that I, I do, uh, do much, much better in personal essay. And so I kind of started writing, um, writing personal essay and, that's what got me started writing a blog. And I made a decision. I was working at a church uh, part-time. And I remember very, very distinctly just making the decision. I'm just going to write. I'm just going to write and put it out there on a blog for free. Didn't matter if I was going to get paid for it or anything. And I did that for many, many, many years. (laughs) And, um, And what was shocking to me, though, was that people started reading it and they actually came to me, even though it was mostly like my mom and two other people. But they would come to me and they would respond and they, 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 um, they actually seemed to be getting something out of my writing, which was kind of an amazing experience and, um, and surprising to me um, because I would write no matter what, you know? Um, And then I, one day, very spur of the moment, I pitched to um, Pathios and they decided to pick up my blog and that's how Jersey Girl Jesus kind of got born, the blog Jersey Girl Jesus kind of got born. And um, and it was there that I really started writing about racial issues and justice issues in general, women's issues, LGBTQ and uh, and racial issues. And it's crazy because on a website called Jersey Girl Jesus, I wrote a lot about Jesus, but the stuff that really got the the hits and the and a lot of death threats and all of that fun stuff is with stuff around racial justice and, uh, and of course, LGBTQ. And, um, and it was through, through that dedication to just writing and doing a lot of writing for free to very little money <laughs> was, um, was how the, the book happened, actually. That's what, because what, uh, Jessica actually reached out to me. Um, the publisher actually reached out to me and said, hey, we would love to see a book proposal, which is every writer's dream. I mean, I never in in a million years expected that to happen. 
Um, so I feel really, really blessed and lucky that that. Well, that's, that's really fantastic. The, the Jessica that uh, Carrie's referring to is Jessica Miller Kelly from Westminster yes. John Knox books. And so, um, yes. you know, that speaks to Jessica's prowess, you know, in finding uh, good news sources. And she's just an amazing, generous, incredible editor who absolutely made the work better. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no way it would have been what it was or what it is without her. So. Well, I'm not surprised and I'm glad to hear though. I mean, Jessica has been involved in, uh, you know, our writing for life and publishing at color conferences for, for many years. And yep, it's yep. just excellent to work with and has done a fantastic job with a lot of different authors. So yes, I I'm really that. glad that that's worked out so well for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's been such a great relationship and I'm really, really grateful to her. I, I, write about her in my journal often just to thank <laughs> thank you thank being thankful for her you know <laughs> so yeah so let me l- read a little blurb about good white racist uh, this is the product description um when it comes to race most white americans are obsessed with two things defending our own inherent goodness and maintaining our own comfort levels too often this means white people assume that to be racist one has to be openly hateful and willingly discriminatory you know, like a bad person. And we know we're good Christian people, right? But you don't have to be wearing a white hood or shouting racial epithets to be complicit in America's racist history and its ongoing systemic inequality. In Good White Racist, Carrie Connolly exposes the ways white people participate in, benefit from, and unknowingly perpetuate racism, despite their best good person intentions. Good White Racist unpacks the system's that maintain the status quo, keep white people comfortable and complicit, and perpetuate racism in the United States and elsewhere. Combining scholarly research with her trademark New Jersey snark, Connolly Connolly shows us that even though it may not be our fault or choice to participate in a racist system, we all do, and it's our responsibility to do something about it. Hallelujah. Couldn't um, (laughs) couldn't agree with that more. Um, Let me... (laughs) Let me just read one other um, little uh, endorsement here from one of our other author friends, Matthew Paul Turner. He wrote, he writes this, this book is a necessary read for all white people. Seriously, all of us. Good white racist is a provocative, eye-opening, offensive, and powerful, and it will humble even the most progressively aware white person. Connolly's approach is self-reflective, sharp-witted, and thoughtfully researched. I needed this book. You do too. So there's, I think that's a wonderful endorsement. If anybody knows Matthew, you know that he just doesn't say things to be saying things. Yeah. He says what he says, he really, really believes. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so Carrie, that's just a wonderful um, endorsement. And I'm so glad you wrote that book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I feel really privileged to have been able to, to, um, to speak into such a, an important an important topic of our time. You know, I never in a million years when I thought about being a writer, never did I think that my book would um, be released during a global pandemic. And then, you know, just a few months after its release, would we find ourselves in one of the most uh, critical racial crises in our nation's history um, in a long time, you know, so I'm, um, humbled by the fact that I get to speak into that a little bit. Sure, sure. Well, um, yeah, I should have mentioned this earlier. Carrie's book came out March 17th of 2020. Mm-hmm. So before, you know, the, the 
George Floyd and the other issues that came up in the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. And right about the time when the pandemic was just hitting in full yep. force and we were closing everything down. Yep. Yep. So what a time to do a book launch, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And in many ways, though, it it ended up being um, pretty amazing because although I wasn't able to go out and do the typical book tour kind of thing, what I have ended up doing it has have been um, multiple I mean, I I don't know, I've maybe done at least 50 um, book book club drop ins. And one of them, I think this is my favorite one. This is it was a group of people that did not know each other. They they came from all over the country, somebody organized a whole bunch of people that that she knew. And they just got together to discuss this book. they weren't a member of a church or something like many of them have been members of church groups and stuff like that. But this was just a group of people that formed a Facebook group during the pandemic to read this book and, um, and get together every week on, on Facebook and discuss it. And then they continued, they continued, they're still in a Facebook group. They have reunions um, every month where they get back on zoom and they talk and they discuss racial issues. And, um, and it's, it's pretty cool to see that happening and to see white people really engaging in the work in that, in that way. Yeah. Do you know, are they open to new members? That I don't know. I'll have to find out. I can find out. Yeah. Yeah. That might be interesting. If they are, I'd I'd like to help them get the word out, but uh, yeah, for sure. I'll find out. I'll find out. Now, one of the things that Carrie does also is basically consulting with churches and other groups to try to help them deal with these difficult issues. Mm -hmm. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, so, what happened is, uh, for those who don't know, WJK is a Presbyterian publisher, and we did a webinar. Um, oh, I can't remember when we did it, but we, we did a webinar, I think, over the summer. And something like 2,000 people registered for this webinar, and 1,400 people showed up live. And um, there, it was really amazing because I think so. What's, what happens when white people specifically, and especially white people in leadership, um, when we are finally willing to confront the the fullness of the problem of racism um, and its entangled holistic nature, like the way it's just ubiquitous, it's everywhere, right? When we finally are willing to to recognize that, um, the first thing that happens is we say, "Well, what do we do? What do we do?" You know, and that's a very important question, and it's also a very white question, right? Um, Because I think that because of our identity as uh, Americans in a capitalistic society, we, that is, um, you know, very focused on productivity, we just kind of go, okay, well, what do I need to do to not be racist anymore? Tell me what to do to not be racist anymore, and I will do it. Check the box, be done. And unfortunately, um, and maybe not unfortunately, but that's not the way anti-racism really works, right? Anti-racism is a state of being. It's an existential reality. It's not something that you do once and be done. It's not an end goal. It's a long haul game, a lifelong um, way of being and operating in the world. And so one of the things that I try to do is I really, when I work with churches, I help them kind of understand um, and examine ways in which they may have been aligning themselves with empire, aligning themselves with uh, supremacy culture, 
whether consciously or unconsciously, through all of their operations, liturgy, for everything from preaching and liturgy, worship, to pastoral care, to marketing, to even their buildings and grounds, you know, how many white Jesuses do they have hung up around the room, <laughs> right? And that that people find very meaningful. And, you know, that you would be surprised at the, the amount of pushback that churches get when they start saying, you know what, we're, not, we're, we're going to cover up the white Jesus, right? We're, we're going to we're, we need to start representing Jesus a little bit, maybe more realistically or um, a little bit more diversely, right? Um, and th- that that thing, that one thing, triggers so much response and and so much whiteness in the congregations, right? Oh. So learning, helping that, helping churches to navigate that and to um, to be prepared for it, that's part of the work of, of what I do with consulting. Wow! Wow! So if people want to hear more about that or, or, you know, engage with you, they can just go to carryconnolly.com, right? Yep. Yep. That's the best way to reach out to me. They can schedule a quick info call with me and, uh, and just get connected. And the spelling is K-E-R-R-Y-C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y. Yes. Yes. Yep. Like my Irish friends love to tell me it's because I'm named after the county in Ireland that my grandmother was from. And my, oh, my really? Irish, yes, my Irish friends always like that's like being named New Jersey. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can you say? <laughs> Maybe yeah. It <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's get back to the book a little bit. Can you just talk a little bit about the structure of the book, kind of how it's organized? So um, really what the, you know, the, the book was originally what I wanted to write was a, a, a liberating white theology. Now that in itself is a controversial term because <laughs> a lot of people will say, well, why do white people need a liberating theology? And I really um, felt that urge in response to something that Ruby Sales said in an episode of On Being, um, where she said, I know that we have a black liberating theology, but where is the white liberating theology? And and then I had an opportunity to actually meet Ruby Sales, um, who is, for those who don't know, she's a womanist theologian, public theologian and activist. Um, and when she was 17 years old, a white man approached her with a shotgun and um, a, a young white seminarian threw himself in front of Ruby Sales and took that bullet and died instantly, which forever changed the trajectory of her life. And so um, I actually had a chance to meet her and she literally took my hand in hers and stared into my eyes and said, you know, um, white supremacy is, is murdering the souls of white people. It is flattening and homogenizing you and it is soul murder. And that's what really got me thinking about a white liberating theology. What is this thing that white people need to be freed from? Um, What is this thing in us that insists upon dominance and supremacy um, or what I've come to call pseudo supremacy, right? Because it's not really true that we are superior in any way. Um, And so I like to try to draw attention to that. And um, in starting to do that work, and I was in seminary, so it was a pretty good time to think about uh, liberating theology for white people. And when I started thinking about that, Um, I realized that in order, before I could even get to that, I had to understand whiteness first, right? And I had to understand where it came from and how did, how did it become what it is? And how did this dominant, how did this identity of dominance um, get so embedded in us and as a, as a culture, as a nation and, and in our faith story. And, um, and so that's really what, what, 
how the book is organized, it's kind of takes us through um, a little bit of the background of how, how did our identity become? It's not so much about the history of racism. It's more about the history of white identity and our, um, the paradoxical nature of how we can be good people and this idea of the good American, right? Because the Americans are always the good guys in our identity. And how can good people um, and a, quote, good nation actually be participating in something so horrific as systemic racism? Um, So that's essentially what the book tries to explore. And we do that, or I do that through looking at the the history of education, history of um, some of the narratives that we have uh, come to believe, like, oh, the Irish were slaves too, some of the justifications that we use, the criminal justice system. So I look at a a number of different things in the book. Very cool. This is very useful. Yeah. So um, without divulging anything that you can't talk about yet, (laughs) what can you talk about in terms of uh, what you're going to be doing next? Yeah, I can, I can talk about it because the contract is already signed. So that's good. So I am actually have the immense um, pleasure and privilege of working with two um, amazing BIPOC writers, Josh Riddick and Brianna Clover, who are both um, consultants in their own right of uh, they who work with churches and uh, faith organizations for anti-racism work. And we are together writing a book that's tentatively called Wait, Is This Racist? A Be It Yourself Guide for uh, Churches and Faith Leaders. And it's essentially going to really speak to the church leader who wants to go through their um, their their operations and really kind of determine and understand how are they aligning themselves with empire? Like, are there hymns talking about Christian nationalism? Like, what what are they doing or are they aligned with the meek and the oppressed, right? Um, so, so really, kind of examining that, and then we'll hopefully we'll build a course around that as well. Um, so, it's basically kind of taking my consulting uh, work and putting it into book form so that churches can go through it themselves. Well, that's excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I, I really am glad to hear about that. And and you said it's due roughly when? Mar. Uh, I think spring of 2020, uh, 2022 rather. So I'm so used to saying 2020 because that's when the other one came out. Um, but yeah, so March 2022. Excellent. Well, let's you know, please stay in touch, you know, with the progress around that. And, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, you know, I think there's several areas for us to collaborate on given some of the other projects that, that I'm involved in too. So um, I am, I look forward to that. And I, um, I also am really, really jonesing for a writing conference. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I know I will be participating in uh, the April, I think April, March, uh, the March Writing for Your Life. Yeah, we're still doing online conferences this year uh, in 2022. Um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to be back in person at a few different locations and uh, very much looking forward to that. I can't wait. So, Well, Carrie, thanks so much for the work that you've done. As I said, it's such a pleasure, you know, to see someone who's one of our, you know, conference alums do so well and about such an important topic. Um, You know, I'm thrilled that you've done the work to make that happen and thrilled that you're carrying it on forward. Oh, thank you so much. And I really appreciate the work that you do in bringing writers together because that is also important work because writing can get lonely sometimes. (laughs) So I think it's really important that we all come together and, um, and I've learned so much through, through the work that you've done as well. So thank you. 
Well, thank you. It's, it's always been my pleasure to do all this stuff. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Carrie. Thank you.